WBNE. Hello and welcome to episode 132, all about the Soviet Union adaptation of The Hobbit. Being the 132nd part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined by Molly and Becca of Pod and Prejudice. They are back once again for this interesting adaptation of The Hobbit. Welcome back. Hi, Mary Clay. Thrilled to be here. We're so happy to be here. Before we officially started the episode, Becca was waxing poetic, basically, (laughs) about this. We, uh, today listeners, are discussing the Soviet Union era adaptation of The Hobbit, which came out in 1985. And uh, I asked them to come back and discuss this because I remembered that when they were on for a Hobbit episode, somehow or another, this came up and, and your passion for it. So why don't you remind me and the listeners about both of your experiences with this, if you have any at all. Becca, you should go first. Ah, uh, Yes, well, it all started when I was born in 1993, no. <laughs> uh, so uh, I am... I've read The Hobbit, and I'm actually halfway through Return of the King. Last time I was on this show, I was halfway through Fellowship of the Ring. Woo! Oh my, that's a lot of progress. Yes. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. I'm, I'm very proud of myself. Um, I have to give a shout out to you because the Phil Dragash audiobooks have really changed my experience of reading the books. Mm-hmm. They're super mm-hmm. excellent. But that being said, I'm not like someone who had a big Lord of the Rings-centric childhood. I am someone who is into fantasy and is kind of dabbled in the Lord of the Rings universe. However, in college, one of my friends showed me The Russian Hobbit on YouTube, and it is so spectacularly weird and off off-putting that mm-hmm. it has become a little bit of an obsession with my group of friends and now it's something of a a litmus test I show to new people. Yeah, I would say that my relationship to the Russian Hobbit is exclusively via Becca. <laughs> um in our group chat in college, this would pop up every now and then as like something people needed to watch. And like throughout the years, it's popped up again and again because there's a version of it that has the wrong subtitles. Is that correct? Yes, Mary Clay. I will send this to you. I don't know if you've seen this yeah, yet. Yeah, I, I should clarify, listeners. The version we are discussing on YouTube is titled like, real English captions or or something like that Mm -hmm. because there is a version out there that has incorrect subtitles. Yes and those that keeps getting taken off the internet so whenever it's back on the internet for a brief spell someone will send it to the group chat. Um, I before this morning though had only ever watched like five minutes of The Russian Hobbit and Becca I think you might have either still been asleep or already been working it was like 7 a.m. and I was watching in my room and I was like (gasps) like this is amazing and I needed to share it with someone so I'm so excited to talk about it today. (laughs) I'm so excited you guys are excited because I was not super excited while watching it. I was just like this is interesting (laughs) stuff. 
but it definitely makes for fun conversation, I think. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess, listeners, if you, I don't know, it, it's only, it's a little over an hour, so it's not like it's going to take up a huge chunk of your time, but I would definitely recommend at least, you know, I'll, I'll leave a link in the episode description, but I would definitely recommend at least watching, you know, the first five minutes or in particular, I think you should skip to, I think it's maybe around like 45 minutes kind of when like Smaug shows up and and Lake Town, maybe watch some Gollum pieces, you know, scan through it. But yeah, it's some interesting stuff. And I, um, for these like really niche adaptations that I've been covering, I start off by doing like research ahead of time to, you know, lay the foundation, provide the background for how this came to be and there's not really much (laughs) this is just it's a television play so it was made for tv in 1985 which is when russia was still the soviet union oddly enough i didn't i don't think i realized i did not realize until looking up all of this that like the that russia is very new you know and Mm -hmm. like in my brain soviet (laughs) union equals like history class and that's like you know that happened a while ago you know i studied abroad in russia and it is so prominently the soviet union is so prominently part of russia still i mm-hmm. it's you know i don't want any russians coming for me but like this vibe of soviet era stuff is so russian and well, sure, yeah. Yeah, it just felt like, oh my God, this is like so the culture of Russia. I mean, the the Russian Hobbit is <laughs> what Russia is, obviously. There were definitely a lot of moments like with the actors or some of the songs where I was like, this feels very Mother Russia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I know what you're talking about and I'm very excited. And to clarify um, about the spoof subtitles that keep coming down off YouTube, um, because I don't know that the creators or the Russian government are necessarily fond of the spoof, but there is somebody on the internet who doesn't speak a word of Russian, but knows the plot of The Hobbit quite well, who subtitled this entire uh, TV extravaganza with his own take on what was happening. And it uh, is once in a blue moon on YouTube. And that's why there is a YouTube version that just says real hey. subtitles underneath it. Okay, got it. <laughs> yeah. Got it. So listeners, if you're, you know, ever bored, go down a YouTube rabbit hole and see if you can find both versions with both interesting captions there um and then one more little fun fact i guess before we dive into this is that the full title is i mean i'm assuming like once you translate it into english the full title is the fabulous journey of mr bilbo baggins the hobbit across the wild land through the dark forest beyond the misty mountains there and back again so good. The fabulous. <laughs> the fabulous really got me. The fabulous me. Mr. Bilbo I mean, Baggins. when you get to see Bilbo, you'll understand why he is called fabulous. He is fabulous. He really is. He's an interesting man. Yeah, that's for sure. So it opens up with this narrator who I think is just, um, no one ever, you know, calls him, but I think he's credited as the professor. Mm-hmm. He, I'm assuming, is supposed to be like our Tolkien stand-in, basically. However, 
part, like the way the set it like it's really foggy and dark and he's wearing like a bowler hat and he has, I think, either a cane or an umbrella. And it looks like he's setting up like a murder mystery or something, you yes, know, <laughs> with the chairs in the background. There's like chairs and tables and stuff as if he's like the last one on the set and someone's just been murdered on this stage for sure. It's deeply sinister. Yes. <laughs> Yes, it's it's like the vibes that they created for this version of The Hobbit is just so different from like J.R.R. Tolkien sitting with his son telling us telling like a silly children's story, you know, and this one is like, no, it's spooky and scary all the time. So much fog, so much fog. It was kind of um, the I mean, we'll get to the actual when they get into the story, but it kind of gave me the never ending story vibes, the set and the. And the puppets and and everything. But on like a really low budget. Yes. Yeah, we should emphasize low budget here. <laughs> like like that is the ultimate keyword. So low budget. Yeah, the narrator kind of sets the scene and, you know, says in a hole in the ground there lived a hobbit and kind of talks about the Shire. He says the phrase, in those days when there was less noise in the world and more green. And I was like, I feel that in my soul. Same. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is an environmentalist tale. I'm just like, really? So there are some themes that I'm really surprised that it being like Soviet Union era that they didn't just like really double down on. But we'll, we'll get to those. But yeah, some commentary there, I'm sure. And so we open up on Bilbo sitting outside his hobbit hole and again low budget it's like it's just it's basically a community theater production of the hobbit and i and i think that's almost a little bit insulting to community theaters (laughs) (laughs) because community theaters can be very well produced shows you know so i would even say this is like a high school seniors directing project that they did for their like final. I would say it was a high school freshman's art project that they put up and then had some people stand in front of. This is like high schoolers who are really psyched about The Hobbit and like think they're going to be artistic and then go no budget full in like trying to. Have you guys seen those SNL skits? that are it's like high school theater and it's like them being edgy yes and and like uh, I think like Reese Witherspoon is in a few of them I think and um Emma Stone okay Jews let's go mommy do we have to yes honey that's the rules of the holocaust okay mommy and mommy one more question what year is it again Honey, you know what year it is. It's 2017. Surprise! Surprise. Oh my god. I always forget how bad these are. (laughs) And like, all the parents in the audience are like, why are we watching our kids do this? And oh my god. Yeah, that's this. It has the same vibes, yeah. (laughs) And so there's just this like painted backdrop of the Shire and his little hobbit hole and Bilbo is sitting on a bench smoking. He's just like he's a regular sized man. Yeah, he's, he's they a, didn't they didn't get like a short actor or anything. He's actually know? kind of tall and like large. Yeah, he's yeah, he's very plump. 
<laughs> and he has a knit cap on and he's bald. I can't even tell, like, the quality of the video. I can't even tell if he's barefoot. He's definitely he wearing has, shoes. Like, with fur He's on wearing them. something. Yeah. yeah, which is what's so funny is because the narrator does make a point to say, you know, hobbits did not wear uh, shoes. And then you see him and he's definitely wearing something on his feet. He's wearing, they looked like clown shoes with like fur on top. And I, I've always been just really focused on his pink shirt. I don't know that I've even ever noticed his shoes. He really looks like a hipster college student that no. with like with the half knit cap that's kind of rolled up and only covered it's like what's it called a skull cap he looks like a hipster college professor he looks like someone who works in a set department for a college theater and tries to oh go drink gosh. beer with the students mm-hmm. be like hey i'm a cool kid like you guys yeah it's the skinny I'm scarf the cool professor yeah brew my yes own he beard. has a little scarf that he wears yeah, yeah oh my gosh and then gandalf just like bob ross I see it, but I have um, another throwback comparison. I get strong child snatcher vibes from him from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh, my God. Just like the way his actual more, I guess, from like his face structure. And he has like kind of a pointy chin and he's a little bit unsettling looking <laughs> and I, I do think that's to do with the metallic green eyeshadow that he has <laughs> and they've put like sparkles or sequins in his hair and his beard yeah. it's um it's an interesting look yeah um and he walks on stage like literally like no you know fanfare or like he just he has a cape and he just like swooshes on stage and walks right up to Bilbo. Mm-hmm. And like, that's it. Pretty much the whole scene proceeds like how it does in the book. They have almost pretty much all the same dialogue of, you know, good morning. Well, what do you mean, good morning? Do you mean it is a good morning or do you mean, you know, go away or whatever? This goes on like it does in the book. Um, and that's what's so interesting about a lot of these different Hobbit adaptations is that for the most part, they keep the first chapter of the book, um, An Unexpected Party, mostly intact where like Gandalf shows up, says, I want to go on an adventure, invites uh, or, you know, puts the thing on the door. Dwarves come knocking down Bilbo's door. They have a party. They uh, include him on this quest, much to his undelight, (laughs) his displeasure, you know. It was very convenient for me because... When we were last on your show, I read the first two chapters so that I could be on your show. Becca had already read The Hobbit, so I was also going into that with less knowledge. And I said I was going to finish it, but I didn't. So the first two chapters of The Hobbit are all I really know. And um, basically, The Russian Hobbit's the only the only Hobbit there is for me. That's all I know. In a strange way, really made me want to watch Peter Jackson's trilogy of the hobbit again which mm. not a lot of people say that because it's not that great of a trilogy of the hobbit <laughs> but that's just a testament to this this spectacular film it's so it's so bad that you need to go and watch the bad movies yeah and like i wanted to see like i wanted to see martin freeman as bilbo again <laughs> and like i need i need to see gan i need to see ian mckellen as gandalf and get this weird dude out of my head because it's making me uncomfortable uh, in a variety of ways um 
And so anyway, yeah, so Bilbo's eating his dinner or whatever, having tea, and dwarves come knocking in one by one. Um, I like how they are, they're almost a little bit more accurate to the book description of how dwarves look, where they're all wearing these bright colors and they all have hoods on and um, very like full bushy beards and stuff. Um, Let's see. There is singing. That's important to note. I lost my, I lost it. I really couldn't handle the singing. I mean, I, in a good way, because first of all, the the Russian, it was so Russian. The subtitles, mm-hmm. The I wrote down a few choice phrases um stack the plates bend the forks smash the bottles etc etc spill mustard on the floor they were just wreaking chaos and the lyrics so that is an actual song from (gasps) the hobbit wow i remember that oh no it's fine yeah the dwarves sing a song that's like crack the plates and bend the forks or whatever but i'm not sure i don't know there are definitely all of the songs that they or not all of them some of the songs because like lake town randomly is singing later on i don't know they do sing in the book oh my god i'm like just the fact that like i've I it was only like a couple of months ago that I read that I read The Hobbit and I'm just like I don't know it's all a blur at this point. Um <laughs> I do think some of the most of the lyrics for the songs came from the book, but I'm pretty sure there are some that they added in. So I think like spill the mustard on the floor. I th- that doesn't seem I don't know that doesn't seem like something Tolkien would write cuz like I don't know. I feel that like seems he just, really odd. He, but it yeah. was odd and I feel like he if he did I underestimated him. He wrote a musical. Look at him go. I mean, I was going to say. Yeah, he wrote him. Yeah. um, Go ahead. So Molly just walked out and she was like, Becca, Becca, you didn't tell me this was a musical. And I was like, I mean, it's as much a musical as Jared Tolkien wrote it to be. Yes, this is true. Of course, like notoriously, Lord of the Rings has so many songs and then none of those songs basically are in the Lord of the Rings movies but The Hobbit is where a lot of the songs do come into play because I think I think even Peter like Peter Jackson did include some of them too um I think he was even like no that fits the mood I don't know why he was like no singing in Lord of the Rings but in The Hobbit yeah it's a lot more I don't know cheerful of a mood to be like Let's just burst into song about how we're wreaking havoc on Bilbo's life right now. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, Thorin comes in, explains what's going on, that they're going on an adventure and there's going to be a dragon and he's giving this speech. This is when I was like, this actor is very, like, intensely Russian. <laughs> he's, like, very emphatic. Each of his words are very deliberate and kind of like harsh. Uh, And he's basically saying, most of us will die. (laughs) And then Bilbo faints in the background. (laughs) I have a friend who has a very large crush on Richard Armitage playing Thorin Oakenshield. Um, Mm -hmm. And I like to show her this Thorin Oakenshield just to counterbalance it. I will say the 
like this Thorin is more accurate to what I think Tolkien was intending because I was pictured when I'm reading it, I was thinking of, you know, kind of like an older man, whatever, with a big beard. But Peter Jackson was like, no, he's got to be hot. <laughs> and I thank him for that. You know, I'm not complaining about that decision. It was just a different decision. That's fascinating. The, it makes sense to me that this would be closer to what the book entailed because well, when it came out first, although nobody here saw it and said that's what The Hobbit should be. But also, like, I think that Russia at that time, like, censorship was a huge thing. And so, first of all, like, Lord of the Rings was probably not a thing that many people were reading. And so the people who were, like, it had to be close to what the book was because they would have gotten in trouble for taking too many liberties. I feel like it's worth noting also that we haven't brought this up, but there is a hammer and sickle in the corner of the screen for the entire movie. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. I just assumed that was like how when you're, you know, when you're watching, you know, the Today Show or something, there's like the little Today Show logo in the corner and it's like kind of transparent. So I was just assuming that's like, but like in my mind, (laughs) 1985 USSR television, there's just one station and it's this station, you know, (laughs) and it was like, I have no idea. Oh boy, children, (laughs) gather around the television. Tonight we're going to watch The Hobbit. And it was like the greatest thing ever to hit the entire continent of russia and i say continent because it's a massive country yeah oh my god russian listeners i'm so sorry if we are just stereotyping your country well it's you know <laughs> you know way if more you about are from russia, russia let me know please let me know where did your parents by any chance watch this when it aired on television did you watch it when it aired on television i would love to know i would really love to know you know what were your thoughts what was going on at the time they get oh they get Bilbo all in a tizzy because they say like he's no better than a grocer and he gets so offended by that and he's like I'm not a grocer I can be a burglar I can do anything you're saying that I can't do watch me and they're like okay great and Bilbo's like oh oh okay I guess I I guess we're doing this then that's my bad okay then (laughs) can you remind me if that's how it goes down in the book like he seemed so passionate okay that's what I thought I was like didn't he just like wake up and they left without him so he was like gotta go so Bilbo they do say like he's no burglar you know and Bilbo seems kind of a little bit offended but is also like now hang on like I'm a respectable person you know whatever um, and he uh, very firmly declines their offer to become their burglar and go on the adventure and goes to sleep. And his like little protest is that he's not he goes to sleep being like, well, I'm not going to make them breakfast tomorrow. And then he wakes up. They're all gone. And Gandalf comes in in a hurry all of a sudden and is like, didn't you read the note? And Bilbo's like, what note? And it's a note that says, like, we're going to be, we're leaving the pub at 11, be there, be square. And Gandalf is like, you're late, you're late. And Bilbo's like, what? And then Gandalf is like, you better get going. And Bilbo's still like, what? And then Gandalf is just yelling at him and makes him run all the way. And then literally, like, two minutes later, Gandalf rolls up on his horse and he could have just, you know, given Bilbo a ride, but instead he made Bilbo panic and run all the way to meet them. So Bilbo never technically was like, yeah, I'll go. He was just kind of like, 
I guess I'm going. All of a sudden tricked into going. So this scene in The Russian Hobbit, not to keep being like it's so Russian, but I studied Chekhov in college pretty extensively. And um, one of the big themes in Chekhov, I'm always comparing Jane Austen to Chekhov on our podcast, and I'm I'm doing it again here uh, with Tolkien. But uh, one of the big themes in Chekhov is work and how idleness is a bad thing. And that's a very like that's very ingrained in the Soviet times. And watching Bilbo, I mean, that shift that they made with him actively being like, no, I am not a grocer. I am not going to be idle. I'm going to go on this adventure and help you. And like, I'm a good worker. Like, that's so Russian. Fascinating. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I didn't even think about that, but that's so true. Yeah. So yeah, they ru- they they leave and the narrator is kind of like describing what's happening and he's like they sing a song on their journey and it's the um Misty Mountain song. And it's literally just this incredibly long montage of them in fog. It, it's like <laughs> I'm sure it, there's so much fog. Like that fog machine that they got was working overtime. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just like the same four fake branches <laughs> that just keep getting like pushed to the side. And so like you'll see like two dwarves come through and kind of like go under the branches or push them out of the way. <laughs> And all the meanwhile, like, they're singing the Misty Mountain song, and then it'll, like, change to a different angle as if, like, their journey is progressing. But, like, they're still pushing through these same, like, four branches. I gotta say, I don't actually hate the song itself, the way they sing it. Oh, I love the music. Oh, yeah. It was it was great, and it was very solemn, and which is kind of, which is the vibe of that song. Again, still pretty Russian, though, you know? Mm-hmm. I have to say about the... <laughs> I should clarify that's not that's not like a criticism or us like making fun of it. That's just like culturally, that's what it sounds like, you know. Yeah, or maybe we should say it's very Soviet. Yes, yeah. I am a little afraid now that like some Russian government agents are just gonna like come swarming out of a van now and come after me for you know. Yeah, I'm worried about that. I I, but I think that we're fine here. I think we're fine here. We're not saying anything bad. We're just commenting on how it's. How it is yeah and um i mean listeners if you don't if you never hear from us again if this is the last <laughs> episode of that's what i'm talking about then um maybe draw your own conclusions as to <laughs> what happened to us yeah so yeah they're singing this song and then the narrator is kind of like describing the journey it's like it was a hard and long road to travel blah blah, blah. and then suddenly a lot like a big storm two storms collided and it was like nothing you've ever seen and they needed to seek shelter and so we skip right over the trolls, mm-hmm. which I would say is one of the most iconic parts of The Hobbit. That's like the first big, like, adventure-y, you know, fairy tale thing that Bilbo experiences is, is this encounter with the trolls. And they skip right over that. And we also skip right over them visiting Elrond in Rivendell. Oh, I forgot about that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They stop in with Elrond for a bit and hang out, which is so funny because they, they just yank out all the politics between the dwarves and the elves. Yeah, that. Yeah, well, and that's what's so weird is that like Tolkien hadn't when he was writing The Hobbit, he hadn't like written that yet. But then like when you're reading Lord of the Rings, and only you know sixty years has passed or whatever between The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, and all of a sudden it's like no elves and dwarves have hated each other for decades and thousands of years, and it's like okay. But in The Hobbit, the dwarves go and hang out with Elrond like the whole time, you know, for like two weeks. And they have a pretty, pretty cool party. And, you know, Tolkien's like, "Mm, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't question (laughs) it. (laughs) But yeah, they skip over all that. We go directly into them looking for shelter. And the way that the stage is, is there's this like, I guess they had a green screen in the background, you know. And so there's this like... There are these flashes of, I guess, what's supposed to be lightning, but it's like red and pink. It's like very colorful. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and they're all, Gandalf the dwarves, everyone, are all like huddled on this like one little ledge. And it's just this one camera angle, mm-hmm. by the way. It's not like, oh, we're, z-. I mean, like sometimes it'll cut in closer to someone's face, but it's just this one angle as if you are sitting in the the audience at a theater and looking up at a stage is what it looks like. Yeah. And so they send Keely and Feely off to find a, a cave and they seek shelter and then everyone falls asleep and then Gandalf does this like weird little, <laughs> he's like sneaking off or I don't know what's happening yeah, with him. He kind of just disintegrates at some point. I, like, I don't know. Like he, and he's like, very he's like tiptoeing around or something and making like ooh I'm sneaky faces and I don't know what his deal is but Gandalf is gone (laughs) I guess um because then when Bilbo Bilbo's having this you know bad dream or whatever and the cave opens up and cracks open and then all of a sudden Gandalf's face it looks like he's like a giant all of a sudden and he's like peeking in to the cave like I don't oh, was know that, what happened there I wasn't sure if that was Gandalf or one of the other guys I thought it was a goblin Goblins. oh was it they just okay. looked <laughs> been. I thought it was Gandalf at first I, Mary Clay I do think it is time to talk about the goblins though the goblins yes okay so the goblins come in and it's like a dance troupe of just regular guys in what looks like gray tracksuits. Yeah. We, particularly, I want to draw attention to the middle goblin who just doesn't know the dance at all and he keeps going the wrong way, but you can tell he's supposed to know it. I was like, did they get Russian ballet dancers to do this? They did, though. They did. I watched the credits. They did. I, I would I would wager the Russian ballet were not the goblins. Maybe they were the Lake Town. They were definitely (laughs) Russian ballet dancers. They weren't. They were like Russian ballet, the JV Russian ballet, (laughs) like not varsity. Yeah. Oh my gosh! It's. (laughs) I I was just like, okay, I guess this is happening. (laughs) All righty then. And so, you know, they start interrogating the dwarves, and they're like, "What are you doing here? What's your purpose?" Blah blah. blah. And then Gandalf shows up, and the way that he throws he. (laughs) 
he throws his sword. I can't even like describe this over uh, audio medium, but he throws the sword like I don't know. He's tossing a <laughs> underhand like baseball or something to someone, like a softball. Yeah. yeah. And just, like, tossing it. And then it stabs the lead (laughs) goblin, I guess. But it doesn't really stab him. And then it, like, floats away and floats back to Gandalf. It was honestly beautiful. (laughs) Um, Amazing feat of... Special effects, oh, yeah. I would say. Yeah. I mean, we like, didn't... Amazing use of technology. Speaking of, we didn't talk quite enough about the, like, head goblin's mustache. <laughs> All of it. I don't understand why they didn't, like, give them any kind of, like, makeup or masks or hats. Like, y'all, I'm telling you, they're literally just, like, it's just, like, a man. <laughs> In a blue tracksuit. Yeah. yeah. With a mustache. And, yeah. And he has a huge mustache. <laughs> they like all of the men because I think when we later see Bard, he also has like a pretty, oh yeah, pretty decent mustache. Um, also, I mean that was also, I mean this was mid eighties. That's also very much just like generally mustache of the era. time. Yeah. I think I've I've been I when I rewatched Star Wars during the pandemic, I noticed that a lot of the costumes were just like seventies outfits like um Luke's aunt is wearing a denim jacket and like a brightly colored brightly colored collared shirt and I think that the same thing is kind of going on here where like they didn't really costume that much like anyone who wasn't a wizard or a dwarf or a dwarf kind of just wore their usual clothes like particularly Bilbo well, I don't think Gollum usually dresses like that, but we will get there. <laughs> excellent, excellent transition, yes. <laughs> so they uh, escape from the goblins and they start running away. And then Bilbo all of a sudden is like, oh no, I sprained my ankle. <laughs> and he like falls down and somehow they lose track of him. Let me un- unpack all this because I, I remember I wrote <laughs> I down I feel like, like we are Mary Clay's therapy Okay, never mind. Movie. That happens yeah. later. Bilbo is just like, oh, my ankle. And he like falls over and then the goblins come running after them and then somehow he gets like knocked down a different part of the cave. And when he wakes up, he finds the ring and, you know, goes stumbling around in the cave to find something. He gets to this pool of water and then uh, Gollum shows up. Before we get to Gollum, very important to note, more fog. More fog. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. And also there's like in the background, there there's like water dripping and th- they're like really making this super gloomy. And there are, um, I always get them wrong, but they're like stalagmites or stalactites, whichever ones are the kind, that the like pointy rocks that hang down from ceilings. Stalactites. Yes, that one. Um, and yes, lots of fog. I'm telling you, that that fog machine that they use Most of their budget. deserved a raise. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The majority of their budget, yes, went to getting or or getting um buying just like plain old dry ice. Mm-hmm. And like there was someone whose job it was was to just like keep replenishing the dry ice. I would like to say, as a person who works in theater in New York City, right before the pandemic, um, my sole position as the assistant production manager at the theater where I work was to go in the morning 
going to the dry ice store, which was just out of a garage in Brooklyn with a little cooler and hand them 20 bucks and get my dry ice and put it in my little bucket and then walk to work. And that's what I did every day. Um, Not to be confused with the 2000s teen store called Dry Ice. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember that oh, store, no, but know. it was where it was like where you bought all those like inflatable chair furniture and um like door beads and all this other random crap that I just thought it was the coolest store the, in the world. The aesthetic is kind of like Claire's and Hot Topic had a baby. Mm. Yes. Yes, I remember yes. this. It was a step up. It was like a step up from Claire's. Um it was also kind of in the same world of Limited 2. Um, but yeah, dry ice. And whenever I look up like dry ice store just to see if I can find pictures or whatever, all that comes up is like where to buy dry ice in your area. And I'm like, no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> um, anyway, so you easily could have been you would have been a qualified dry ice professional for this production then. Yeah, if I was 20 years older, I would have done it for good money too. probably just kidding. Very clearly. Would you have done it for free? (laughs) I would not do it for free. We don't work for free. Yeah, girl. Gollum appears. And the way I describe it is, if I remember correctly, uh, it's it's some random sketch. Old Greg? uh, Called Old Old Greg. Greg. That's exactly what I was thinking. He looks like Old Greg. Hi there. Who are you? I'm Old Greg. Pleased to meet you. Noel Fielding plays old Greg. I did not learn that until recently. Me too. And like, I'm a hard, hardcore Great British Bake Off watcher. Same. Oh my gosh. Yeah, when I when I learned that he was old Greg, I was like watching this, you know, whatever next episode of Great British Bake Off, looking at him being like, no, I see it now. I see it. Yeah. yeah. Becca <laughs> just looked up old Greg. I didn't know about old Greg, but looking at that, they just like, which one of these came first? Because whichever did. Uh, the the other Russian one... Hobbit came first. Okay. So, so clearly the creators of old Greg watched this adaptation of the Hobbit and then straight up plagiarized it for old Greg. I wouldn't be surprised if Noel Fielding was a really big Russian Hobbit fan based on his whole aesthetic. I think you might need to like post a photo of old Greg to your Instagram for context. Yes, I will definitely share pictures on on Twitter or social media somewhere. Maybe I'll tag Noel Fielding and be like, answers. We need answers (laughs) now. (laughs) Like, do you have an explanation (laughs) for this? Um, So yeah, Gollum comes up. And they do riddles in the dark. And it goes on for a while to the point where I'm like, they have, I mean, I think when this like scene, this part of the story wraps up, there's like 25 minutes left in the Hobbit story to tell um, in terms of like the book of like what I know is written in the book and like what is to come. And so I'm like, they better get a move on because there's a lot to do and there's only like 25 minutes left and they're still just like telling all these riddles and it goes on for a while. Were the riddles in the book? Yes. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if they did all of the riddles from the book, but the ones that they did were definitely from the taken from the book, if also, that makes sense. Also, the shot is very strange because it is just a close-up on Gollum the entire time, pretty it's much. It's awful. Yeah. <laughs> it's really creepy. It's really creepy. Yeah. And then there is a cutaway. This is um this was nice, which is 
what I liked about reading The Hobbit is that there are all these little like sarcastic or like dry humor asides from the narrator. And so because we have this character of the narrator in this adaptation, it cuts back to him being like, now, of course, you might be sitting at home comfortably in your own, you know, in your cozy house on your couch watching this and you of course are thinking clearly and can solve the riddle but Bilbo couldn't so I liked that we got that was a a nice little addition um of the like narrator character that we could get those fun those like little quips in though it did make me feel a little dumb because I was sitting comfortably in my bed with my coffee and I couldn't figure out the riddle couldn't solve it don't worry um I believe uh, that was my reaction as well, reading some of those riddles. Because um, some of them are very obvious. I don't remember if they did this one in the adapt in you know the Soviet adaptation, but in the book, there's one where the answer is like so hyper specific. It's like a yellow sunflower in the middle of a field with the sun shining down on it. And I'm like, that's not a riddle. That's just like I don't know, a piece of poetry or whatever. Like, no, that's not a riddle. That doesn't count. (laughs) Bilbo wins the riddle game and gets away with the ring. And it's so funny because in Peter Jackson's, in in the Hobbit trilogy, and also like reading this chapter as well, Bilbo's a little bit sympathetic towards Gollum when he sees him kind of like having this breakdown and being like, thief, we hates it. And he has like a moment of pity. But this Bilbo, he like puts the ring on and it's like, ha 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 ha, I'm hiding from you. I'm getting away. I won the ring. Bye. Kind of erasing some important character develop there, development there for Bilbo Baggins. Oh, we should mention. There's just, there's like no, there, there are very few moments where I'm like, no, that's not even true. There are no moments where I'm like, oh, that was a good bit of acting there. <laughs> yeah. It's literally just, you know, like people reading these lines. They're not like adding personal touches to like be like, okay, this is how Bilbo is reacting to the situation or like, this is what Thorin, how Thorin is reacting or whatever, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it's very much like the trope of the straight man in any kind of play that things are just happening to him and he is not even responsive. Even when he faints, he's like normal and then all of a sudden his eyes are closed. <laughs> like this actor is yeah. just not giving anything. He is you know exactly, what? He's yes. giving that like pink sweater. We actually wore pink sweaters accidentally yeah, in homage did. to the fabulous Bilbo oh, that's bag. Amazing. I was trying to figure that out, but it looks like he cause he also has um some kind of like brown sweater, like long sleeve sweater. It looks like he just has a hot pink t-shirt on over top (laughs) of like a long sleeve brown sweater or something yeah maybe it's an homage to the fuzziness the furriness of hobbits and that's what I was wondering I was like so wait is that actually is that not a sweater is that supposed to be like his arms (laughs) like have they made him like a furry creature instead like interesting wardrobe and costuming choices for sure it's not clear it's it's a very much up for interpretation the art i would say all of this is up for interpretation. <laughs> the entire <laughs> hour-long special is just like it is what it is man it is what it is so he bilbo is able to meet up with the rest of the dwarves and gandalf outside the mountain and 
And they are immediately dropped into Mirkwood. What happens in the book is they come out from the goblin tunnels and there's this little like battle sort of um, standoff. The war uh, goblins come in riding on wargs and the dwarves get chased up into trees and then they're rescued by the eagles. And the eagles take them to Bayorn's house who is the, this sounds like I'm just tripping on acid, <laughs> just describing all of this. Um, they take him to uh, Bayorn's house, who is a shape-shifting bear man. <laughs> he he has this like very lovely cottage and garden, and he's all about like nature and protecting nature and his animals. But um, they're served dinner by animals that walk around on their hind legs and um and then Bayorn's like hold up you guys can stay here the night for protection just stay inside don't go outside I'm doing bear stuff out there <laughs> and then the next morning he comes back with like the lead goblin's head on a pike or something <laughs> it's wild it's my favorite chapter and it has yet to be adapted in a way that I think does it justice. In the 1970, I'm getting all my years mixed up, when Rankin and Bass adapted it into the animated Hobbit, they did not include Bayorn. Peter Jackson cut Bayorn down to like a five minute scene when in the book it's like a 20 page chapter and then they completely gloss over him again here so just a moment of silence for our fallen friend Bayorn may he you know he lives in obscured in obscurity much like Tom Bombadil I was gonna say he yeah. sounds like Tom Bombadil I was gonna say also yes, and I just want there to be a movie or an adaptation or a TV show where we get to see him. Well, moment of silence for what that would have looked like in this adaptation. It it just would have I think it just would have been like a regular dude with like a with like his normal everyday mustache and fa- you know facial hair <laughs> and a brown you know? sweater. Yes, and a brown sweater. Like I think it would have been actually really easy for them to adapt. <laughs> So yes, we gloss over all of that action and they are immediately in Mirkwood. I guess Gandalf just disappears at some point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's just gone and they're being attacked by the spiders and Bilbo comes in and saves them and is like, run for it. And then they get to Lake Town. This might be my favorite scene in the entire special the singing Lake town oh it's great so they also have cut out everything with um in in the book they get captured by the wood elves and they have to escape prison and they do that by escaping in barrels that are like put down the river that goes to lake town so that's how they end up at lake town so all of the wood elf stuff all of the barrels stuff is cut out and they're just right at Lake Town. And we are introduced but to Lake Town um, by a group of people. Maybe this was the Russian ballet company. And they're just like, they're like huddled on the floor. And then they just start like, they slowly rise up and they do this like dance and song about um, <laughs> the dwarves and like the prophecy, I guess. And, you know, days of old or whatever. And it's just... 
I appreciate it a lot. <laughs> and then the the way you might ask, hey, Bilbo's been the same height as the dwarves this entire time. Um, how will they make the big people? It was wild, <laughs> wild. The layering, the layering of the different yes. sized people. <laughs> where I don't know, I don't know what they did. Ultimately, I think they just layered a bunch of images on top of each other, but it was so good. And it was reminiscent of how <laughs> the hobbits in the movies are sometimes, sometimes look like normal people and then sometimes are just like smaller. You know what it was like? It was like an Ella Enchanted when she's in the giant's tavern and she's just a normal sized person and standing in front of a green screen of a bunch of normal-sized people but blown up bigger than her. That's exactly what it is. Yes. Um, all of the dwarves and Bilbo come running into Lake Town, and so they're standing in front of them, and I do think you're right that they had, like, a layer of Lake Town people and then a layer of the dwarves, and then they just... um you know, just like clicked and dragged like the corner <laughs> box of the dwarves and just like sized it down. So they're just like miniature. Yeah. You're totally right too that like sometimes they are this in some scenes, they're just like regular size next to men or goblins or whatever. And then other times they're like, oh no, we should size them down for this one. Yeah. And it looks quite absurd. It's very silly. They look co- comparable to the... um. New, I say new, it came out 10 years ago or whatever. Willy Wonka with Johnny Depp, like his sizing compared to like those Oompa Loompas, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and how it's just like regular people and then they just like click and drag and make them smaller. Yep. Famously great. (laughs) And they do another little song and dance because they're like, yay, the dwarves are here. They're going to save us and they're going to defeat the dragon and we're going to be rich again. Yay. And and that's it. Very brief visit. Was that kind of when they did the YMCA with their hands? <laughs> yeah. I think so. Yes. Yeah. None of the dance moves, by the way, are very like graceful and elegant and beautiful. It's all just like, OK, that certainly is dancing, I guess. <laughs> Um, It kind of looks like maybe they showed up to film that day and someone was like, we were supposed to choreograph this like two weeks ago and learn it. And they're like, all right, let's come up with something, you know? Yeah, it was the same with the um, in the beginning with the dwarves. It was the the dwarves. There's so many different species. Such a moment of freestyle early. Yeah, when they were doing their wreaking havoc and they were all just kind of like, jumping around and I was like this looks like it's supposed to be a dance um but it's not just it's not it looks like a look like a bar mitzvah where the kids are told to go dance on the floor and every time we touch comes on and it's just like uh, yeah it's a free for all you just you just got to stay out of the the fray (laughs) that's a very dated reference for me you can really date how old I am by the reference of what song was playing when I went to bar and bat mitzvahs no that checks out I really hope that every time we touch is still playing at bar mitzvahs around the world. Yeah, I was like, for a minute there, I was like, is it not? Oh, I don't know. It's a timeless classic. Yeah. Yes. Like, why would it not be, you know? Yeah. Oh, I certainly <laughs> hope it is. I just have vivid memories of of um, Justin Timberlake's song. It's like, dirty babe, you see oh, these sexy shackles, back. baby. Oh, yes, That's yes. it. Sexy back. Sexy back. That was yeah. it. <laughs> 
that was what we were jamming out to. That was one of the songs that was very popular at um, someone's bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah that I went to. Justin Timberlake, sexy back, just like <laughs> of the times and us being, you know, eighth grade girls or whatever, being like, aren't we so hot? And meanwhile, like braces, acne everywhere. Speaking of the limited too. Right? No one had... No one knew how to do eyebrows or hair and oh, just so of the 2000s. Oh, what a time. (laughs) Anyway, so they go up to the mountain. Thorin's like, all right, this is your time to shine, Bilbo. This is what you we're all here for. And, you know, it's time to go into the secret entrance. And in the book, there's this whole thing about like there's a prophecy and there are moon runes written on the back of the map that can only be read during a certain phase and cycle of the moon. And it's a poem about like when the thrush knocks on the last light of Durin's day um, and there's a special key and all this stuff. No, apparently to get into the special secret entrance here, um, you just have to have fairy dust or something thrown onto you. I, I m- may have missed the setup for that, but Thorin has a jar of something that he like sprinkles on Bilbo. <laughs> yes, I remember wondering what that was. He was like throwing it up in his face and that. I just, I was like, I don't know, I'm lost at this point. I mean, I, I was no explanation. I was never it. found at that point. Like, there was no, there was no time watching this movie. There's no time watching this movie where you're still on the path of the story. You have to let the chaos envelop you as you watch. Yes, that's a great way to describe the whole experience. <laughs> yeah, you just have to like go along with it and be like, that's happening. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's real. There's a really great moment where Bilbo says. Um, all right, and who will join me? Who will keep me company? And all the dwarves go like, uh, and they like turn their backs and turn away from Bilbo. And then it cuts to the narrator and he goes like, and what can I say about dwarves? Well, they're certainly not heroes. Yikes. <laughs> so then Bilbo goes in to the cave. He immediately finds the Arkenstone. Like he walks in and is like, ooh, ah. And then he's like, oh my God, the Arkenstone. How convenient. Right. And then, <laughs> and then Smaug comes in. <laughs> and it's literally like go to a toy store <laughs> and finds like one of those rubber dragon hand puppets (laughs) and that's what this is and there's another person who has like dragon claw gloves on and so you literally just see Smaug's head and like two hands come out of the side of the camera (laughs) and I'm pretty sure that they are just like that size too because they zoom out and there's just a little blob. I mean, the video quality is not great, but there's a little blob that I think is supposed to be Bilbo that I don't think is actually him or they did the layering thing again, but I really don't think they built anything. I think it was just like a tiny hand. No, I'm so certain that it's just a hand puppet. Yeah. So yeah, Bil- uh, Bilbo tries to flatter and impress Smaug um, and discovers in the conversation that uh, he has some kind of chink in his armor at the bottom of his belly. And like he turns to the camera and says it too. And he's like, ho ho, what he doesn't know is that there's a hole in his scales. <laughs> it like, suddenly down becomes by- like the Hobbit The Office. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He gets a little bit too confident and cocky and pisses 
off Smaug and he goes to attack Lake Town. Boy, oh boy, this attack scene. What what a great uh, cinematic masterpiece. They blew all their money on the fog. They did. <laughs> That's so true, though. That's so true. I think they, for like the scene of, of showing like Smaug is flying to Lake Town and attacking... I think they did maybe at least shell out some money for like a full, for like a stuffed animal mm. smog. So you at least see the full body, I think. Yeah, it's a beanie but baby. Like, it's literally, yes. They just, someone's like, just throw the beanie baby across the room and we'll film it flying, you know? Yeah. All of a sudden, so, yeah, Bard in Lake Town is like, oh no, everyone, you know, whatever, prepare for battle, whatever. And then all of a sudden Bilbo is there and he's like, Bard, remember, there's a hole in Smaug's art and Smaug's scales. And I'm like, Bilbo, you were literally just up at the mountain. <laughs> um, and there's just a lot, there's a lot going on here. So that's happening. Of course, the low budget Smaug. Um, Bard... <laughs> His bow and arrow is so clearly also from a toy store. Also, the fact that it only takes one arrow and it's the first thing that happens, like, he's just like, oh, a hole in the armor, boom, and then he's dead. And then he's dead. And that's it. It just took that one shot and he's dead. And then they, and then everyone starts chanting and singing, no more dragon, no more dragon. Listen, if you had one shot, one opportunity. But this dragon has been terrorizing this town for years, or at least that was my understanding. And he's literally just like, doink. Like, you know, you know the bow and arrows where it's like a, it's like a suction cup. Yeah. <laughs> Arrow. And like, that's what it, and it's not even like an elastic band on the bow it's literally just like a string that's exactly what it was and he pulls it back and it hits the dragon and he goes down in one shot and everyone rejoices i mean i can't fault it it's great (laughs) what are you talking about oh man it's it's just like like the shortest climax ever they spent you're right they spend so long on the golem riddle they spend a long time with the goblins as well and then you get to the main like scene with a smaug and it just goes and it's over and he's down yeah exactly um and then like they're back up at the mountain already and the dwarves are are celebrating and whatnot and then bard comes up and i'm like okay so y'all are just like walking back and forth between like the top of this mountain and lake town like it's nothing like it's just like walking across the street i guess and bard's like please won't you share the treasure with us that we can rebuild our town and this is something that like i'm surprised they didn't really focus down on this of like Hmm, sharing the wealth, communist Soviet <laughs> Union era adaptation of The Hobbit. You know, I really thought this would be like a huge, like main focus mm-hmm. of like, we need to share the wealth and, and everything. Yeah, I was also, I also honed in on that. I was like, hmm, this seems like it should be more of a thing. They ran out of time after the... Uh... They really did. Because at this point, I think um, there's like... 10 minutes 15 minutes left in the movie i will say like show or whatever they are making a movie that's about a journey on one stage and like two sets that they keep repurposing and having different zooms on and different like camera angles on and i think they probably realized like we can't really 
we can't really make a traveling scene without it looking dumb. So we're going to just cut out all of the in-between scenes and elongate the times when they're in one place. All of the like background scenery, by the way, is always just like kind of, it's a cave. And there's like, like, I think I'm pretty sure they just use the same background um, for like the goblin caves as they did for like inside the cave when when, um, Bilbo is talking to Smaug and whatnot. And so, and of course, don't forget the fog, guys. I think the fog is hiding most of the scenery, you know, so that we're not focused on that. There you go. That's the spirit. (laughs) Yeah, they kind of start arguing over everything and Bilbo is just like, Oh, here you go. You can take the Arkenstone. And Bard's like, thanks. And Thorin's like, how dare you, rotten hobbit? And um, he's like, oh, if only Gandalf were here. And then Gandalf shows up and is like, I am here. And I'm like, where did you go? (laughs) (laughs) Where did you go? How are you here now? And Gandalf's like, there's no time for arguing. The goblins are here. And then we go into the Battle of Five Armies. And it's really funny because reading the book, it's like, wait, what are the five armies? Because it's the dwarves, the elves, the men, um, that's three. And then the goblins, that's four. And it's like, well, what are the five? There's definitely not five armies here. (laughs) It's also really funny because Peter Jackson made an entire movie out of this battle. And it lasts about maybe one minute here. (laughs) Wait, not the focus. Is the third Hobbit just this battle? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's called the Battle of Five Armies. Wow. It's not good. It's not that good. It's, um... It was an interesting choice by Peter Jackson. Actually, no, that's not... I should say, it wasn't technically Peter Jackson's fault because he was going to have The Hobbit be either one movie or two movies, but then the studio was like, you can make it three movies or no movies. And he was like, fine, I guess I'll do three movies. But yeah, it wasn't good results because you're watching it and you're like, oh my God, this battle's been going on for (laughs) an hour and like nothing eventful has happened. (laughs) But yeah, you definitely can't say that about this battle. It's over in a minute. Bilbo gets knocked out and then he wakes up when the battle is over, which is true to the book. That is what happens in the book. It's really great. Like he gets knocked out, cut to black, and then he wakes up and the battle's over because Tolkien didn't want to write a whole battle. (laughs) And he's like, he's like, oh, thank God. I'm not one of, you know, I'm not a casualty of this battle. I'm not one of the fallen soldiers. Yay. And then Gandalf comes over and is like, whoa, we're not dead. All right. And they both kind of like laugh and they're really excited. And then Gandalf is like, now come here. Thorin's dying. (laughs) And so the way that they just go from like being really (laughs) cheerful, they're like, woo, we're not dead. And then they bring Thorin on stage on a stretcher. Um, and he is dying and they exchanged a conversation again, which is very similar to the book. They definitely um, pulled a lot of the dialogue and descriptions directly from the book. And Thorin makes up with Bilbo, apologizes and then dies. And then literally the rest of the like everyone's kind of, I guess, sad for like five seconds. Mm-hmm. And then like they're very cheerful when he's led off stage and they're like saying goodbye like 10 seconds later. Yeah, I thought that it was a pretty fast turnaround for them to suddenly mm-hmm. be friends. Well, first of all, to be friends again, like Thorin and Bilbo making up after literally like 30 seconds prior, they were yelling at each other. It seemed it seemed sudden, but good to know that that's just how it happened in the book. It is kind of how, yeah. Thorin's like, 
I'm sorry, man. And Bilbo's like, it's okay. And then Thorin dies. <laughs> so what you're saying here is that the Russian Hobbit is actually the most accurate adaptation of The Hobbit. It is. It is. Yeah. It's pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And so, yeah, Bilbo says goodbye to the rest of the dwarves. Um, he says good, and Gandalf says goodbye, and Gandalf just like fades away into the clouds and disappears. <laughs> Brilliant special effects. <laughs> and then Bilbo goes off to his, you know, goes traveling back. We get one more song that I think is based, I don't know if it was the exact lyrics, but I think it's based on The Road Goes Ever On and On, which is a song that Bilbo sings and is one that Tolkien wrote. And then we see him in his hobbit hole, you know, back home safe and sound. And the narrator closes out basically by saying like, and Bilbo lived out the rest of his days happily and he would go and visit the elves whom he mentioned in his adventures, which is really funny because he doesn't in this version we don't see any elves Mm. at all right they mention elves like one time yeah and they don't they cut they cut out all of the elf plot elves plot lines and and then the narrator is like and bilbo would go visit the elves every now and then um that he met on his adventures i'm like but he didn't we didn't (laughs) see any elves (laughs) yeah like it's like they forgot they forgot to like they made all these like script edits and they didn't make it to all the way to the narrator just edition, imagine or, like they'd the, already yeah. filmed his parts or something i just imagine the like director standing backstage as the actor who's playing the narrator says that and just going <laughs> under his breath like oh, <laughs> we forgot that yeah but at that point like they only have like one canister of film yeah, exactly. to use, and they're like that was it yeah <laughs> that, that was our one take I, we got it i think there were a lot of moments like that like with the goblin dance for example when the middle goblin just <laughs> doing the wrong dance moves i was like you know actually they probably just only had one shot at this and that was it that was yeah i i think they just only had one shot at the entire thing so what you you're know? saying is they had one shot one opportunity yes this is everything they've ever wanted <laughs> Yes. Oh God, I'm going to kill Mary Clay. <laughs> oh, my God. No, you're good. You're good. And then, the yeah, and then the narrator closes out by saying, like, Bilbo lived out the rest of his long, happy days. The end. And I'm like, okay, Lord of the Rings, the book, had come out by now. There's, like, the way that he just glosses over the fact that, like, oh, yeah, and that ring starts an entire war that traumatizes his nephew, and he nearly dies, and then he ends up having to go to the Undying Lands to in order to, like, live a peaceful existence. Like, don't worry about any of that. Bilbo lived happily ever after. Well, there is something, not to say it again, but something very Soviet about pushing the messiness under the rug and saying... It's okay, everyone. It's going to be okay. This story ends happy. Don't worry. Yes, that's also very on theme. Excellent point. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that is, you know, rough rough discussion version of the Soviet Union adaptation of The Hobbit. Again, like our words, this is an audio medium you know it can't do it justice (laughs) you need to go and at least watch a few clips definitely watch watch you know um the goblin tunnel part of the story where the dance troupe comes out in those tracksuits and Gollum, aka old greg and low budget (laughs) smaug 
all worth witnessing with your own eyes. Listeners, just go ahead, get yourself like a bottle of wine and a few friends and watch this. Yes. It will not disappoint. (laughs) It's a very fun activity. Coming up next, of course, is going to be the recently unearthed (gasps) Soviet Union adaptation of, it's called Lord of the Rings, but it's only an adaptation of Fellowship of the Ring. Leaves on a bit of a cliffhanger. (laughs) (laughs) Recently unearthed on the internet. Oh, you know what? I think that that was also shared in our group chat and I think that that's what I watched five minutes of and I said to myself this is too much and I turned it off so I'll definitely have to watch and then listen along. You have to let us know whether or not the actors overlap. Like, do they choose the same Bilbo? Do they oh, choose yeah. the same Oh, yeah, that would be really interesting. Gollum. I will say, though, the only actor I would be able to tell is if they reused was Bilbo, because the rest of the actors, like, they're all just, like, the the video quality is so poor that I can't really make out mm-hmm. too many individual faces. Also, are there, wait, are there no women in The Hobbit at all? No. <laughs> Cool. cool, just checking. Nope, none. Um, at the <laughs> at the very end, Bilbo comes home and his he's been presumed dead, and all of his belongings in his home are being auctioned off. And we do meet his cousin Lobelia Saxville Baggins, who um at the start of Fellowship of the Ring, Bilbo throws a lot of shade at the Saxville Bagginses. And so that is kind of set up because they're buying, like they're tr- they're really upset because Bilbo came back and he was supposed to be dead and he came <laughs> back alive, which means they don't get any of his stuff anymore. Um, and so Lobelia is, I'm pretty sure the only woman or female character that you see in The Hobbit. And it's not until the very last chapter. <laughs> wow. Love that for yeah, us. Yeah, really makes, really makes the three women that you meet in Lord of the Rings even more important, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I will say I'm halfway through Fellowship and I was told Eowyn is a baddie. And through the last one, not Fellowship. What oh, no, yeah. Oh, Return of the King. And I was told Eowyn's a baddie and she's had her moment of like angst with Aragorn, but I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting for her to go to battle. Am I going to be? Yeah, it looks like from Molly's face that's going to happen. It gets better, but also sort of not really because like poor Eowyn. Oh my God. I love her dearly because Tolkien is like, hey, look, a woman. I wrote you a woman character. And then they're like, bye, Eowyn. And they leave her behind in Edoras to go to Helm's Deep. And then they leave her behind again when they like show up later. And she's like, please, can I come with you? And Aragorn's like, no, you're supposed to stay here. Bye. And I'm like, stop like having her show up for like half a chapter and then ditching her Is, again. In the like, movie, you, you've, you've not seen the movie, but do you know who plays her? Mm-mm. Okay, then I won't say this. <laughs> I, I know Kate Blanchett plays um, the Lady Galadriel, Galadriel. And I know that. Oh, you know what? That's who I was thinking of. <laughs> of Kate Blanchett I just watched a movie with her in it and I didn't I was like trying to figure out which one in the movie was Kate Blanchett and because she looks different in the movie and then I looked it up afterwards and I was like oh my god and then I was like oh my god she's in Lord of the Rings and Kate Blanchett's a, a treasure uh, I cannot wait to see her play Galadriel but yeah <laughs> are you waiting to finish reading the books before you watch them yes yeah. yes I've never seen the movies and I'm one of those people who uh reads the books first Reading the books tends to take a long time, as you know better than anybody. Yes, as I'm aware. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, um, I will say the good thing 
sort of is that they um, like when they were adapting the book to screen, they do elevate Eowyn's character a little bit more. So it's like we got to have a woman in here at least at some point, you know, and so they do change a few things where she's um, involved in a little bit more of the story. But um, it's also it's very much like it's not like she is the huge savior and is um, as big a character as like we want her to be. You know, it's very much like we gave her a scene. Isn't that what you wanted? We put a woman in armor. Isn't that cool? Like, what else do you want? And and that's it. You know. <laughs> yeah, been there. Rough times. It's okay. I'm very excited. Still, I'm gonna I'm gonna marathon them the weekend after I finish. That's I. That's very exciting. Um. A lot of people are going to tell you, oh, you have to watch the extended editions or nothing at all. The theatrical editions are great. They're great just on their own. And the extended editions are more fun because they add um, all these like additional scenes where you get more like the extended editions. All they really do is you just get to spend more time with the characters that you enjoy but it's not like it necessarily makes them better movies. It just makes them longer. Because <laughs> there's a lot of Ents, right? There's like a lot of time spent with the Ents. And they cut that for the theatrical. Oh, my God. <laughs> it pains me so much because the Ents are my favorite part. And They're they, the like, best. And th- there's like maybe collectively like five minutes of Ents. Oh, that's upsetting. The Ents are great. Yeah. But theatrical, yeah, the I mean, the extended edition is where they added in a lot more of the int stuff because they, again, it was just, you know, when you look at like the grand scale of these books, it's like we have to make sacrifices somewhere. Point being, don't let people bully you into thinking that the extended editions are the only way to watch the movies. I will take that to I heart. Think theatrical is great, <laughs> great, you know. Well, that will bring us to the end of our discussion. Thank you both so much for joining me for this really interesting <laughs> romp with oh wait what was it called um with the fabulous Mr. Bilbo Baggins thank you so much for having us when you messaged us asking us to come on I was like Becca oh my god we get to talk about the Russian Hobbit yes so thrilled well my goal was to get um I really want to get people on who are really excited about these things and have a lot of passion and clearly you both do so thank you so much for joining me i was gonna say we're probably the only two podcasters who have any enthusiasm for this adaptation (laughs) i'm sure there's other people out there i'm sure there's other people out there and if there's not then that's what makes you guys unique (laughs) (laughs) um what would you like to share with our audience and where can they find you on the internet So we host a Jane Austen podcast called Pod and Prejudice, and you can find that at podandprejudice.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on social media at Pod and Prejudice on Instagram, um, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, You can also email us at podandprejudice at gmail.com. We are just finishing up our discussion of Sense and Sensibility, so we're in the midst of season two. We're going to move on to the Sense and Sensibility adaptations right now, and basically... Oh, and our podcast is like what you're doing with Lord of the Rings, but with Jane Austen. Except for that I've read the Jane Austen books before, so I'm a, I'm a more constant uh, person who's holding back spoilers, I guess. Yes, and I have not read the Jane Austen books before, so that's, that's what we do and where to find us. Awesome. Um, yes, listeners, all of that will be linked in the episode description. So if any, if that sounds interesting to you, I'm sure there's a lot of overlap um, between 
you know, Tolkien nerds and, <laughs> you know, Austin and classic literature nerds. Yeah. Um, I say that lovingly. No one come at me. Um, <laughs> That's what I'm talking about as a proud member of WBNE. If you want to learn more about the network, you can go to WBNE.org, where you will find all of our shows like Bacon and Eggs. The cover is by Vaishon Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at Vaishon Designs. You can get merch for That's What I'm Talking About by going to tpublic.com slash user slash Pod. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod. You can find me on Twitter at MCWhatsApp and Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod to explore the different tiers and perks that are available. You can become a sponsor of the podcast like... Taylor. Taylor, thank you so much for all of your continued support and remaining a patron of That's What I'm Talking About. I very much appreciate it. Another way you can support the podcast is by rating and reviewing. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please write a review, write a little blurb about why you like this podcast versus other Lord of the Rings podcasts. What is it about this one that you really enjoy? And if you listen on Spotify, rating is a relatively new feature. So if you haven't already, please go ahead and give it five stars. Next week, we continue our dive into the USSR adaptations with The Lord of the Rings. It's technically just a Fellowship of the Ring adaptation, but it's still extremely interesting. There are links in the episode description. It's a two-parter. It's on YouTube, so it's free. So if you have the time and you want to watch it, go for it. But also, you know, I've been trying to make these episodes designed so that if you don't have the time to dive into the three-hour musical or the two-hour Soviet Union adaptation of Fellowship of the Ring, that you don't have to watch those things, that you can still listen to the podcast and enjoy it. So yeah, thank you again. Do you have any parting words for the audience? The tracksuit goblins are um, god-level, like peak. (laughs) And that's what I'm talking about.